I would like us now to turn to the prophecy of Zechariah, the first chapter, and to look at the first section in this chapter, verses 1 to 6, particularly focusing on verse 3. We could read again verse 3. Therefore say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Recently, someone asked me, what's your favorite book of the Bible to preach from? And I said, Zechariah. So they asked, why? It's perhaps, to some, a rather obscure book. But it's actually a very encouraging book. It's full of Christ. And it's also very optimistic. You see, Zechariah lived in very discouraging times. And in a sense, his day wasn't that different from our own. We can see lots of parallels between his day and ours. And in these discouraging times in which he ministered, God gave to him optimistic words, encouraging words, great visions, so that he could preach about and proclaim these great truths that would tell of better days which are yet ahead. In our day, the church is weak and depressed. But here we find prophecies full of Christ and full of encouragement. Better days are coming. And it's interesting even to think of the very name of the prophet, Zechariah. Names in the Bible often have significance. What does the name Zechariah mean? God remembers. God remembers the remnant struggling in Judah. God remembers you and me today in very secular times, in godless days. God remembers. It's wonderful that God remembers, isn't it? We feel at times forgotten. We feel God is far away. Perhaps sometimes we feel that God is asleep. Remember what Isaiah said. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days. Isaiah was calling on God to waken up. But our God slumbers not nor sleeps. And yet... To us it seems sometimes that he is asleep. Wake up, O Lord. Come again to us and deliver us. Remember us. And God does remember. And God does care for us. And it's important to realize that God has a plan. God has a plan for his church. God has a wonderful plan for the people of God, and the best is yet to be. 
Judah was carried away into captivity. And for 70 years, they were there in Babylon. And then, in 539 BC, Cyrus, with a Medo-Persian army, conquered Babylon. Surprisingly conquered Babylon. A year later, he issued an edict that the Jews could return home to their own land and rebuild the temple of the Lord. 538 BC, they did return. Some of them, many of them stayed where they were. They were very well off where they were, some of them. And they stayed where they were, but some returned. And they set up the altar of God. They began the worship once again. And they began to build the temple, rebuild it. But there was a lot of opposition. The Samaritans were against them. And after a while they became discouraged. They had their own houses to build. They had their own fields to cultivate. And so they forsook the building of the temple and returned to their own houses and fields. And so, 20 years passed. But God spoke first to Haggai. 519 BC. Spoke to Haggai. And through Haggai, he spoke to the people saying, Return to the temple. Build it again. O you that dwell in your sealed houses while the house of the Lord lies desolate. You're so concerned about your own property and your own comforts and your own luxuries. And the house of the Lord, there it's lying waste. Do you not realize what is happening? You're earning money and you're putting it with, into a bag with holes in it. You're working so hard to earn money, putting it in, and it's dropping out the bottom. And you think you're making yourselves rich, and you're not, because the blessing of the Lord is not resting upon you. Two months later, yes, they did heed the word of Haggai, and they began to build. And two months later, Zechariah the prophet joined in with Haggai. 519 BC, we're told in the eighth month in the second year of Darius, Haggai, and then first uh, Haggai two months pre previous, and then two months later, Zechariah. And he calls, he calls on the people to, to return unto the Lord, and he will return to them. Well, that's the message we need today too, isn't it? Turn back to God, and God will turn to you. Humble yourself before the Lord. Repent and call upon his name. We're looking for revival. We're looking for blessing. But if we humble ourselves and repent and pray and cry unto the Lord, then he will return to us. And notice the way 
the Lord is described in this passage. The Lord of hosts. The great God of the host of heaven. Our God is not a little God. He's not a minor deity. He's the mighty God of Jacob. He's the God of the whole world. He's the God for whom nothing is too difficult. All things are possible with our God. We are to have faith in him. The Lord of hosts. You see it three times in verse 3. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. Have big views of God. That's so important for us. To have a, a sense of God and the fear of God. And to return unto the Lord. And then he will return to us. Look at the first verse of the chapter. There we're told that God speaks. And that's a very important truth. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet. Many people today think the Bible is just a human book. Totally human. That it's man's reflections about God. People telling of their visions and their dreams and their stories. And they're telling about their experiences. But what we see here is that the Bible is God's word. And that's very, very important. I've been asked recently to, to do a lecture on the inerrancy of Scripture. There are some people, and they don't like this term, inerrancy. They maybe choose other words which they feel are a bit softer. Infallibility, perhaps, or authenticity. And they, they think that there's some, some errors, perhaps, in Scripture. Maybe errors in, in, in history and errors in geography and errors in scientific statements and so on. But friends, what is the Bible? Yes, it's a human product. But it's a human product as holy men of God were carried along by the Spirit so that Paul can say all Scripture is inspired of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. All of it. From the first verse of Genesis to the end of Revelation. It's all God-breathed. And friends, that's what makes the Bible so different from every other book. It's God's word from beginning to end. And here we have testimony to that. It's not Zechariah's ideas that we have here. It's the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah. And the Lord spake through Zechariah. And what we have in the prophecy of Zechariah is God's word. God's infallible, inerrant word. He speaks. And what a wonder that is. And he didn't just speak in the days of Zechariah. But he's still speaking to you and me today. Because we not only have the inspired scripture... 
but we also have the Holy Spirit of God who takes the inspired scripture and opens it, sheds light upon it, helps us to see into it what it is what it's saying to us, and applies it to our hearts. It comes with conviction to us because of the Spirit's work. You know, our Lord Jesus said, He who hears you, hears me. So in a very real sense, when the preaching is biblical preaching, it is even the preaching is the word of God. Thus saith the Lord, I'm not to come here to you with my thoughts and my ideas and my reflections and my stories. I am to come to you with the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. Listen to what God is saying. He that hears you, hears me, said Christ. So that's what we have there in the first, the first verse of this chapter. The scripture is God-breathed. It's inerrant. It's all we need to know. It tells us what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. Now, moving on to verse 2. The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. God was sore displeased with the Jews. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? Surely it must have been obvious to the people of Zechariah's day. Wherever they looked, there were the charred remains of houses. The broken walls of Jerusalem the deserted palaces, the temple in ruins, the land itself a wilderness. They could read and hear concerning better days, the days of David and Solomon, the days of Jehoshaphat and Hezekiah and Josiah when millions inhabited Judah and Jerusalem. And now there's just a few thousand people there struggling in a land that has been ruined and turned into a wilderness. Thorns and thistles, briars and nettles cover the land. God was displeased with your fathers. Why? Because of their sins, because of their idolatry, because they were going astray after Baal and Ashtoreth and Molech and Chemosh, the gods of the Sidonians and the gods of the Moabites and the gods of the Edomites, the gods of the Syrians. They had been guilty of immorality. They had been guilty of violence and oppression, guilty of Sabbath breaking. And when God gave his law to Israel, he meant it, and he meant it to be kept. And when he made threats, he meant them to be taken seriously. 
And God said, I am holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. And God said, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And it's the same today. We've got to take God's law seriously. Sadly, so many Christians don't. Many Christians think, well, the law is just something for the Old Testament. But no, it's for us today. Christ said, I came not to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill. And he that breaketh one of these commandments and teacheth them and teacheth men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. We are to keep the commandments. And Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. God wants true worship from us. He wants us to seriously repent of our sins, to turn from our ungodly ways, to give up our worldliness, to forsake our idols. The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. He's been sore displeased with our fathers too, hasn't he? We look around and we see empty churches, huge churches that would seat a thousand people. And today they're used as furniture stores, public houses and nightclubs, or made into flats, or left derelict. We see them all around, monuments of better days. In the days of our fathers, these churches were full of people. I remember my own father telling me of the village church where he grew up. How he remembers the people sitting in the windows on a Sunday night because there was no room for all the people that came. A day when people... Crowded into the churches when the streets were black with people coming to church and now they're forsaken. Why? Because God has left us. God has taken his power away, his blessing from us. He's handed us over to false religion, to liberalism and to deadening preaching. And God has cursed us with unconverted ministers and a gospel that, that has been watered down to such an extent that people are no longer converted through it. God was displeased with your fathers, your fathers who allowed this liberalism into the churches, your fathers who themselves were superficial, hypocritical in their religion, your fathers who backslid away from God and God withdrew his power. And so we find the church today in ruins. I wonder, are you troubled about these things when you, you think of, you go around a, even a 
town like Inverness there, you see all these big churches that one day were full of people. And today, they're used for other things. They're no longer big churches full of people. And if they are still used for worship, it's just a little handful of people in the middle of the church. Surely it's obvious that God's displeasure rests upon us. Well, verse 3, Turn unto me, therefore say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Turn unto me, saith the Lord of hosts. That's a great call from God, a call to turn, a call addressed to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. You're on the wrong road. You've been running away from me. You're like sheep going astray that went through a hole in the fence and one sheep follows another. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. Pleasing self, backsliding from the Lord. No fear of God, but lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Taken up with your houses and your gardens and your families and your businesses and your work. Taken up with your pleasures. You respect God, respect God with your lips, but Is your heart far away? It's easy for us to come to church in a sense and draw near to him in our bodies. But are we really drawing near to him in our hearts? Do we fear God? Do we love him? Consider your life in the the light of the law of God, in the light of the commandments that he's given you. Go through these Ten Commandments and measure yourself against what God says. Consider your life in the light of the Gospel. Look at Calvary. Look at Christ there dying on the cross. Why did he die on the cross? For my sins and your sins. What were the nails that nailed him to that tree? Your sins and mine. Do you love him? If you do, why don't you keep his commandments? Do you love one another? Turn unto me. Well, there's a call, isn't there, to repent. To turn from every known sin. To turn from our ungodly ways. To return and to fear God. And then there's a promise Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. I will. God says he will do it, and when he says it, it is true. Why did the exile take place? Why did God leave them? He left them because of their sins. And what happened then? Because God had left them, they couldn't fight with the Chaldeans. They couldn't overcome their enemies. How different it was in another day. You remember when God delivered Israel from the land of Egypt. And all Pharaoh's horses and all Pharaoh's chariots couldn't keep them captive. 
Indeed, the mighty army of Pharaoh was drowned in the Red Sea. That's when God was in the midst of Israel. Remember when they stood in front of the walls of Jericho and God was among them. And they blew the trumpets and the walls of Jericho fell down flat. Remember when the great giant Goliath defied the armies of Israel and God was with David with a sling and a stone. He conquered Goliath and cut off his head. When God is with us, great things happen. The church today is a laughingstock with the world. We are so weak and poor and feeble. We see so few converts. Fascinating to see in the present election of um, a prime minister. We had eight Tory leaders there seeking to be elected as prime minister. One of them a Hindu. One of them a Muslim. One of them a Buddhist. Several of them atheists. Not one of them professed to be an active Christian. Not one of them. They're ashamed of Christianity. They despise serious Christianity. That's the sort of country we live in today. Our leaders no longer fear God. They fear man, but they don't fear God. But we have here a promise. Turn ye unto me, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. And that's addressed to you and to me. Let us turn unto the Lord. And if we do, he will turn to us. How different things will be then if the Lord were to turn and to come even into little remnants of the church. We think, how could things change? How could things change quickly? I remember one day being struck by the fact that a great revival came through John the Baptist. Where was John the Baptist preaching? To a big congregation in Jerusalem? No. He began preaching in the wilderness of Judea. I wonder how many people listened to his first sermon. In the wilderness. One or two. But with the Lord's blessing, the one or two became three or four, and five and six, and a hundred and a thousand, and soon they were pouring out of Jerusalem, and from the towns round about, and they were coming down to the wilderness of Judah to hear this man who was full of the Spirit of God. That's revival. That's what God can do. John the Baptist was unable to prepare the way for the Messiah. Turn unto me, and I will return unto you. And then, verse 4, Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear, nor hearken unto me, 
saith the Lord. Don't be like your fathers. The prophets called upon them to repent, and they refused. They carried on in their sins. They went on in their wicked ways. Remember how they viewed Ezekiel. They thought of him as an entertainer. They found his message pleasing to the ear, like a musician playing music. They didn't take one thought about what he said. They just listened to his stories and it entertained them. Remember Jeremiah, how they came to Jeremiah and they said, tell us what we should do. Shall we go to Egypt or shall we stay here? And they said, we will do exactly what you tell us to do. And when the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he told them what the word of the Lord is, they didn't do it. They disobeyed and they dragged Jeremiah with them, with them down to the land of Egypt. Don't be like the fathers. You know what happened to them. You know how they did not listen. They did not listen to the, to the prophets. Well, our fathers too. Plenty of hypocrisy in the land. Plenty of plenty of church activity in years gone by. The church in this country reached its largest attendances um, around the time of the Second World War, maybe into the 1950s. <clears throat> By that time, the gospel was gone, largely gone from the churches of our land. Our fathers, the appointed ministers who were unconverted, who were called to the ministry, and we have reaped what they sowed. Your fathers... Don't be like your fathers. Don't be hypocritical. Don't be just making an outward profession while inside there's lust and envy and pride and greed and failure to teach your children, failure to exercise discipline in the church and in the family. Don't be like your fathers. Think of what has happened as a result of your fathers and their ways. Verse 5, your fathers, where are they? Where are your fathers? Well, they've died. They've gone to face their reward, to face their judgment, haven't they? The judgment came upon Israel, the sword in captivity, because the wages of sin is death. Our fathers have died too. Multitudes of them Ministers, elders, members, adherents in the churches, gone to a lost eternity. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Well, there were prophets. There were prophets long ago, and there have been prophets in recent days too. Godly men, faithful, faithful ministers of the gospel, who stood against the current, who preached the word of God against the tide of unbelief that was coming in, who called for repentance, but they were despised, they were mocked, they were ignored. 
they weren't listened to. Well, your fathers are gone, and the prophets are gone. But, verse 6, But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, Like as the Lord of hosts thought to do unto us, according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. The prophets proved true. Every word that they spoke in the name of the Lord came to pass. They mocked and they hated Jeremiah. They said, those who've been taken captive, they'll soon return home. But no, they didn't come home, just as Jeremiah said. This city, Jerusalem, it's going to last, last forever. But no. These uh, Chaldean armies, they won't succeed in breaking through Jerusalem, but they did. We won't be taken captive, but they were. The 70 years of captivity happened just as Jeremiah said. The words of the prophets proved true. The temple that they trusted in was burnt with fire. That great, glorious temple that Solomon had built. That temple where God had revealed himself. But because the Jews did not listen to the prophets and did not repent, the temple was destroyed. And God's threats today are not empty either. God's word says to us today, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Serious words. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? Remember Noah, 120 years he warned concerning the flood. And then the flood came. The people, he told them, come and enter into the flood, with, into the ark with me to escape from the flood. But they didn't listen. Think of Lot in Sodom, going to his sons-in-law, telling them, this town is going to be destroyed with fire and brimstone. He seemed to them as one that mocked, a joker. They didn't take him seriously. And this world in which we live is doomed too. And hell is real. Despite how people laugh and mock at fire and brimstone preaching. Which they describe as rubbish. Old-fashioned nonsense. Well, it's the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord cannot be broken. God calls on men and women today to repent, to return, to give up their backsliding. He says to you and me, turn ye, 
from your evil ways and from your evil doings. Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. So God's word is coming to us today, calling upon us to repent. Will we listen or will we not? Remember what happened to Judah. Remember what happened to Jerusalem when they crucified Christ. Remember what happened to Rome and what they did to the Christians and to the gospel. God's word is serious, calling us to repent. And if we return to him, he will return to us. Let us pray. O Lord our God, help us to hear the voice of God speaking in the scriptures. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to appreciate, to understand, to receive the word. Help us, Lord, to listen to what thou art saying to us. Grant, O Lord, that we would repent of our evil doings. Help us, Lord, to turn from every evil way. Help us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To seek thee above all else. To love thee with all our heart. And forgive us for all our sins, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Our closing praise is Psalm 126. Psalm 126. When science bondage God turned back, as men that dreamed were we, then filled with laughter was our mouth, our tongue with melody. They among the heathen said, The Lord great things for them hath wrought. The Lord hath done great things for us, whence joy to us is brought. Psalm 126.
Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Amen.